Hey guys, Willis here. Thanks for tuning in to the Willis Talks podcast. Today, my guest is Dean Adamson, Managing Director and Co-Owner at Mummy Meigs, the indulgent vegan kitchen based here in Hull in the UK. Dean talks to me about living a vegan lifestyle and helps to demystify some of the rumors about veganism. We discuss why he and his family, also fellow vegans, created the vegan-friendly confectionery brand Mummy Meigs, who say their mission is simply to make vegan versions of the world's favorite snacks. Dean highlights how the business has grown, now securing deals with major high street sellers such as Holland and Barrett. Dean also talks to me about his life leading up to creating Mummy Meigs, a former sniper in the British Army, a footballer in Australia and a business mentor at Virgin. Dean really has lived a full life. Like me, he hails from a council estate in Hull and has been driven to try new things, something that he infuses about to young people. He is all about having a go. I really enjoyed this podcast. I hope you do too. Please remember to subscribe and share. Let's get into it. Dean Adamson, yeah. Managing Director, owner of Mummy Meeks, which I love the name of, follow it. Um, you've got it described here as the indulgent ve- vegan kitchen. Yes. Which already sounds good to me yeah like it sells it already indulgent so we're just going to kick straight in with mummy meigs who is mummy meigs mummy meigs is um two things as a real person it's my mother-in-law um i've been with my partner for 11 years not married but i class her as my mother mother-in-law yeah um she's a passionate 71 year old vegan um, that is one of the co-founders of this business. Um, and and as, as always been, so this like a long history on this, she's just always been vegan, always been no, in, in no. this world, or this is relatively new? Um, veganism is, is um, relatively new, I guess, in her lifetime, right. being 71. The, um, she's been vegan for like four or five years. Oh, right. still a long okay. time. Yeah, Same yeah, as yeah. me, I've been vegan about five years as well. Yeah. Um, but she's always been vegetarian since I've known her. So as my partner. My partner's right. been vegetarian since she was like five or six. Yeah. And if, if going back to, because I was looking at some of the description on the website about it and um, there was, you was talking about Mummy Meeks. I'm going to just refer to Mummy Meeks now. Is that, is that the right yeah. way to refer to So Mummy Meeks, like, does a lot of, you know, I didn't want to say, like, you know, soup. <laughs> so Mummy Meeks, um, like, is involved in sort of animal rights things, kind of goes to these rallies and all this kind yeah. of stuff. So it, it, I suppose coming from a vegetarian background, it's always been in her heart to be involved in this kind of... Um, yeah, definitely. Animal protection sort of yeah. causes. Yeah. All, all of um, my partner's life has um, revolved around having an ethical standpoint when it comes to um, her lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, with Mummy Meeks, she's super passionate. I mean, none of us are kind of like vigilante vegans that um, are willing to be arrested like the current trend is. Yeah, yeah. But what megan and wills especially like to get involved in this stuff like um just peaceful demonstrations at say the boxing day hunt on beverly westwood yeah yeah um going to, going to london and doing the animal rights match which happens every year and you get yeah. between 80 and ninety thousand people which is amazing isn't it? yeah it's, just it's amazing. fantastic so yeah. just like to be involved in those kind of things that make a difference and educate people so i suppose the obvious i mean this is an obvious question really but I was, i've got here what was what was the drive to start a vegan only food business is is it partly to do with your belief 
or in the support of veganism or is it partly to do with an entrepreneurial this is a trendy thing to do as well kind of thing um, was it was it a business move or was I, it a motive always, move with those kind of questions i always wish that i was consciously planning out what i was doing yeah um but for me it just things just fit sometimes they just happen um i wanted to go into business um i, I was in the fitness industry for 12 years i then thought well i'll start dean adams and fitness um, that was the first business that I set up. Um, but what I wanted was something that's scalable. Uh, and when you're going into retail, that's a scalable business, something you can grow to like 10, yeah. 15 million a year. Yeah. Um, now, why vegan? Well, we're all vegan. And we saw that there was a huge opportunity for indulgent vegan products. I guess it come from that, the, the business come from frustration of not being able to find those products. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, being someone that likes to eat or liked to eat Mars bars, crunches, cream eggs yeah. and just not being able to get those. Yeah, Everyone yeah. assuming you need to be healthy because you're a vegan and you want nuts and seeds and flapjack. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was kind of the main drive was, I want something that's scalable. I'm passionate about veganism. I, don't, I understand the market and there's a huge gap for yeah. vegan products. And also because they've had the shop for 13 years, yeah. selling um, you know, blondes coffee shop, selling products, um, we already had the products there, the recipes. So it's a case of going to a manufacturer and saying, can you make this? Yeah, that's in Cottingham. Is it Cottingham? Cottingham, yeah. Yeah, yeah, belongs to coffee shop. Yeah. So like the Mummy Meigs business has been going, what, since 2007 around? 2003. Oh, really? No, no, sorry, 2003 for Blondes. Yeah. Mummy Meigs, we registered in, registered in 2017. All um, oh, right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we regis registered that in 2017. We spent a year and a bit just developing the product, trying right, to find a manufacturer. Right. Um, we did a crowdfunding campaign in 2018. We raised 12,500 pounds through that, giving right. away pre-sales on a product we didn't even have. Yeah. And then we spent all of that money launching our first batch of, or producing our first batch of um, Rocky Roads. And then we yeah. took them to market September, 2018. Right, right. And so since, since launch then, have you seen the market grow? Cause it feels like it's grown, like it's cool to be vegan almost. Like, like you seem to be hearing the term a lot. So have you seen it reflected like commercially that, that this growth in, in, in the market or interest in, in vegan products? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think the public perception of veganism has changed uh, in the sense that we're not all hippies and um, crazy people. Mm -hmm. um, I think you can see the size of the market when you see that Ben and Jerry's are bringing out vegan products, when yeah. Galaxy have just launched three different bars of um, vegan chocolate. Yeah. Um, the, the Pretty much every fast food retailer as well, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, what, it's everywhere. One in four uh, products that were launched in the UK last year were vegan products. Uh, which one is massive. One in four, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I had the, um, I mean, we'd said offline last week, but I had the, the vegan meatball sub from Subway, which was amazing. It was, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was really tasty. It was yeah. really nice. And um, it, I don't think I would miss the other one at all, you know? And I think that that perception is just becoming more and more now, isn't it? And well, it, it must be because commercially, fast food global conglomerates are releasing yes. vegan versions. So that, you know, take the ethics away, they must be doing that because commercially they see a benefit course. in doing that. You of know? course, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So I mean, there's a run in that. Is it what? What is the driver for it? For it though, for vegan, would you say as a whole? Is it is it health? Is it ethics? Is it environment? Is it all of the above? What's the biggest in in the vegan circle, if you like? What is it? What's the driver for it? Well, 
Veganuary put out a study recently and it showed that the shift, it actually shifted more towards uh, ethical standpoint. Yeah. Um, I think there was like 51% of people chose a vegan lifestyle for ethical yeah. reasons. Um, but those, you can do it for ethical and healthy reasons. You yeah. Know. But yeah, it seems like people are more driven to change because you get things like the blue ocean or was it blue ocean? Blue planet, planet, yeah, blue planet, yeah, yeah. David Attenborough. So yeah, people yeah. see that and start to connect the dots and think, oh, well, it's my lifestyle that's causing these things. Yeah. And of course, there's such a movement going on now in terms of the whole climate thing, isn't it? Particularly in the yes. young generation. So you've got yeah. the whole Greta Thunberg thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, everything's happening in the reduction of what they're doing with vehicles and building engines. All of this stuff is clearly happening. Yes. And yeah. it's becoming heavy news, isn't it? Which is probably wasn't in the past. This last few years has been a real driver, which I suppose... Is, is causing people to switch everything, isn't it, in terms of their lifestyle? It feels like it is. Like people are switching how they drive, how they eat, the things they do, what they buy, particularly in the young audience. Yeah, I think um, I was watching uh, Top Gear last night, and yeah. then I think it was Porsche have just released their first electric car. Right. Um, which is rapid. Uh, so, yeah, so you're seeing it, it's much easier for people to switch now. Uh, uh, yeah. And what makes it easier is. Um, the availability of a product. You need to be able to go into your supermarket and pick it up and pick it up easy. So when you see like Walls put their vegan sausage rolls alongside the meat sausage rolls, it means that the consumer can actually easily make a different choice that time. They haven't got to go to the search. bottom shelf and find exactly. it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. the other key driver that we've recognised and is something that we try and do with Mummy Meek's products is the need to be uh, within the same price point. Yeah. So it's unrealistic to think you can do it at the same price point, mm -hmm. but it needs to be within uh, an affordable amount. So you're looking at maybe 20%. Mm. So if you can bring out a product that looks the same, feels the same, tastes the same, has the same texture, and then it's within 20%, mm. and it's a recognizable product. Mm. You know, you're not reinventing the wheel. You A sausage roll is a sausage roll, a vegan yeah. one. It's the same. Yeah, yeah. So it, those are the sweet spots. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think um, we found one of my friends was um, doing things with burgers and he, he was trying to pick vegan burgers, um, partly from an ethical point of view, partly because he's feeling particularly healthy and he wants to get into that whole world and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, he was looking at this stuff and he'd researched about 10 different brands of burgers. Um, and what he found at the time is he had to go to like loads of different sort and the ones that he actually found, which I can't remember what they were called, but it, it is a particularly good burger. I was like, wow, that's a really, you know, given yeah, that it's meat yeah. free. And that, I think it was from one of the, you can only get it from one of the major supermarkets essentially. And I think it's because it comes over from the States and it, whatever the logistics of it, presumably that's going to get wider and grow more. But I think that's happening more like there's an experimentation, isn't there? You know, because for me, I find it quite fun. You know, I, I eat a lot less meat now. Um, than I ever did before, primarily because I'm, I'm not really a fan of meat. Really. Yes, Red meat, yeah. I don't really enjoy it. Um, but what I quite like about it is, is there's this kind of message of, should we try that vegan sausage roll that Greg's yeah, doing? Or yeah. should we try that? There's, yeah, like, yeah. there's an interest in it. Yeah, definitely. Which I think is quite cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was quite funny though was, uh, I mean, I've tried the steak bakes and I've tried the sausage rolls and, I, and I, I'm not expecting gourmet, Greg. So I got what I wanted, <laughs> you know, yeah, people say yeah. for some reason. Well, it's it's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. When a non-vegan tries a vegan product, they're they're, try, they're holding it up to like a higher measurement. Course, you know, the, the their expectations are too high. You're like you're eating a steak bake, and Greg's what you expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went. I went to Beverly um, <laughs> last week with my partner Willow, 
Uh, and we got off the, the train in Beverly and we're walking through, like, I can't remember what the shopping centre is there. And there was these young lads, I was like 14, 15, and they're laughing their heads off and they've all got Greg's wrappers. And then we get closer and one of them says, ah, we've just bought him a vegan sausage roll, mate. <laughs> and I'm like, we're vegan, you know? And I just thought, that's incredible. That it's, uh, it is amazing. It's the, I didn't even know what a vegan was when I was 15, 14. No. And no. to think that that is part of fun for kids is brilliant. That they're going in and they're tricking their friend into eating a vegan sausage roll. <laughs> I think it's and amazing. The, uh, and the key thing is, the lad was like, this just tastes the like same. Like sausage roll, it tastes the and same. Then yeah, they, yeah. And, they, and they said it to the first two people they saw and they both had, me and my partner were both vegans. So we were right. like, yeah, nice one, mate. You're the, you're the cool one. It, I mean, it's generations are changing out there. You can feel you can feel that happening. Though what, what I found interesting though is, because Mummy Meads is primarily, I mean, it's confectionery, isn't it? You're making sweet products primarily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and candy or chocolate or whatever. Um, but I think a lot of people probably wouldn't, still wouldn't make the link between um, confectionery and animal products. Um, I think there's probably a lot of that don't make the link. So it'd be interesting for, just for you to explain just a little bit of what what goes into, like, say, chocolate, for example, from an animal that people wouldn't probably make the link with. Yeah, so I, I guess one of the key things in confectionery is gelatin. Right. Um, which goes into a lot of... Well, it gives the chewiness to a lot of um, products. Yeah. Um, there are alternatives now. Yeah. Um and I never knew that when I was at school. I remember someone telling me in class that there was gelatin in like a fruit pastel or something like that. And I'm like, no, there can't yeah. be beef and pork in a fruit pastel. Yeah. Um, I even told my nephew, I went to, took him to watch Hull City recently and he was eating a bag of sweets. And he said, do you want one? I said, I don't eat them. They've got gelatin in. He's like, I had to explain to him what was in their pork. I was like, I'm not eating these again. Yeah. Um, so you've got that as a key, gelatin as a key component of confectionery. And then obviously when you're going into chocolate, um, you've got milk. Yes, dairy, dairy's <laughs> dairy, a big one. Yeah. yeah, milk, eggs. Um, and the, the, the dairy industry, you could say, is probably viewed as being at the more ethical side of farming animals to, compared to how people would imagine, say, like slaughtering for meat. You would probably, the average Joe would look at dairy and say, well, that's probably a more ethical well, part of farming. But... What are the issues with the, the average Joe, Joe would be misinformed and is misinformed. Yeah. First of all, as an adult human being, we do not need calcium for our bones and teeth. So having a pint and a half in every bar of Cadbury's is not making that chocolate healthy. Right. Um, and the dairy industry is worse than the meat industry. Right. That's because there is so much um, just waste in the dairy industry. I don't mean waste from a, the product. I mean waste for the provider of that product. So yeah. let's take, for example, uh, a dairy cow. She only lactates because she gets pregnant. Yeah. You know, cows are these miracle animals that produce milk, which some people actually don't realize that. Yeah, yeah. Some people think cows just produce milk. They're yeah. just this animal that does it. So she needs to get pregnant. So she's forced to be pregnant. She's not, you know, having a date and... There's yeah. no foreplay or anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that she's forcefully pre pregnant, impregnated. And then if it's uh, a, a male car, 
that will be taken off to slaughter because it's it's pointless Jesus, in the dairy industry. Provide, yeah. So you know it's a business. See, a lot of people wouldn't know that. Would they? I mean? No. Again, the average Joe exactly like, would, wouldn't know that. I, and I, and I would, you know, there is no way that every animal on the planet its sole purpose is to survive. That that's it in a nutshell. We just want to live. Yeah. Every animal. Yeah. So that goes for cows as well. Mm. And also, when every mother in nature wants to raise its children, yeah. so t- even if that calf's not being killed, it, taking it away from its mum yeah. is just hideous. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the side that people never get educated on because I can't compete with the powers that are in the dairy industry when it comes to marketing. Yeah. I can just tell people when they when they want when they ask a question like you have. Yeah. I never go around. With some, seeing someone drink milk and then go over and sit like next preaching to them. It's all I'm there yeah, to yeah. speak if people ask questions. And the great thing now is more people do ask questions. Yeah, yeah. Whereas before people used to just shun you or, you know, say you're gay because you're vegan and stuff like that. Yeah, Whereas yeah. now it's actually people ask questions like why? And that's mm. that's good. And- no, that is, uh, it's really interesting. And uh, going back to that point, like I say, a lot of people out there, probably young people are more informed now than they've ever been really. But uh, like a lot of people wouldn't know that, for example, about the dairy industry, because, you know, we're ignorant. So it, it's, yeah. not, it's not like it's promoted to us unless we're looking for it. Sort of yeah. thing. So there's an element of that in there. So that being the case, I wonder, not to demean it in any way, but is it cool? Is there an element, is it cool to be vegan or like anti-brand to, to some? Do you think the movement is par- partly because there's, there's an element, a trend to it, which in either way, as long as they're vegan, that's probably a good thing. But, or, or, or is everyone in this boat because they've researched it and it's an ethical thing? I just wonder, it feels like it's a it's a cool thing to do. Do you know what I mean? To be like on a, on a side of anti-brand or anti the man or whatever, yeah. you know? I wonder if, if you feel that in, if you've, come across that in your circles? I guess it's the way that, it, it depends how somebody is engaged with veganism. Yeah. Uh, how, how, what's the touch points that they're connecting with? Yeah, you know, yeah. if you're into fitness, then you're gonna be researching vegan for fitness. Yeah, and, yeah. and I guess when it comes to marketing, the people have suggested that people mirror themselves, so they wanna see themselves in that. And yeah. if they do, then they're more likely to maybe take it up. And I think the great thing about veganism now and the way that it's coming across, first of all, it's not a fad, it's a mainstream movement. Yeah. Secondly, there's a real emphasis on the fact that it's the single best way and easiest way to try and reverse some of the issues that are going on, or at least kind of bring it to a neutral position when it comes to like our carbon footprint and yeah. the, you know, the um, climate change and all, all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it, all in all. I mean, it's 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 a pot. I think most for most people, it's an informed decision. I yeah. guess is, is the point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it, some people do think that it's a cool thing. Uh, yeah. I'm not one of those people. Um, the the when I first engaged with veganism, the cool side of veganism used to really frustrate me. Yeah. It was like all vegans had like long hair and tattoos and were eating raw vegan food and were yeah. fit. And yeah, yeah. like, that's not engaging with the general yeah. public. I come from a council estate in Hull and I can inspire my friends to go vegan by showing them you. Yeah. They need to see someone like me. This is <laughs> it, isn't it? Because like they do it, at, at, 
and the media don't help with this. And I certainly agree with that. And there's an element like if they show, for example, if they're talking about uh, an environmental thing, they'll show something about fracking or something like that on the news. Mm. You know, they say, look, fracking's really bad. But then what they'll do is they'll show loads of people outside with, you know, dreadlocks and yeah. like that quote unquote the hippie look. If yeah, you like. Yeah, yeah. Rather than they won't show like average Mister and Mrs. Blogs out there, no. kind of they they show a very specific demonstrator look, don't they? Which then to the mass audience looks and goes, it looks like. Oh, look at them, you know, but they're always protesting or something. It's that kind of yeah. thing. And that's kind of wrong, isn't it? Because actually, it's not that, you know, the, the people who are anti-environment fracking or whatever are from every walk of life, from every yeah. background, rich, poor, whatever, you know. And we don't really see that, do we? That's not presented. And also, those people that are anti-fracking, about 90% of them aren't even vegan. Yeah. Do you know, that? that's one of the, like... Uh, yeah, it frustrates me that I can't remember the name of the charity or the movement, but there's a huge movement around like the um, climate change, yeah. and most of the people involved aren't even vegan. And mm. the single biggest message you can put across is go vegan for the planet. It's mm. the single easiest way to, like I said before, go reverse some of the issues that we're causing. And then you've got people that are really behind it that aren't even vegan themselves. Mm. Um, and it is easier to be vegan now. Uh, yeah. I think the transition to any life, the transition to from one thing to another is always difficult. And mm. people say to me, oh, are you vegan? It must be so difficult. But I can't get my head around why people think it's so difficult because mm. at the end of the day, I push a trolley around a supermarket and put items in it. And then I take those items home and I cook them and I eat them. Yeah. It's exactly what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, the, not, the, some it's not some a, mystical no, no, thing. I don't have to like go from a salt course to get my stuff. You know, you see, <laughs> I push a trolley around it, around Tesco's. I put stuff into the trolley. I buy, I pay for them. I go home and I eat them. It's yeah. it's the same stuff. <laughs> so you've touched upon a salt course. So that leads us loosely, nicely ties into. I want to talk a little bit about you um, before you've got to this. You've got an exceptional background. So I was stalking you. We were just saying offline before we came on. I've been stalking your LinkedIn and all this kind of stuff. Um, and you've done some pretty cool stuff, um, which like you would just never make the link to what you're doing now. So I'm quite interested in kind of the journey. So you spent time in the military. Um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say on that, but you, you just speak about everything. Yeah. So he was I'm a sniper. Yeah, yeah, he was a sniper. Um, and then he was back in the military later on um, doing a less kind of aggressive role, I think. Oh, it was actually not. That, was, that wasn't the military, that last job. It was just that it was loads of ex-military people. Oh, uh, right. Okay, that's fine. Well, that's good. I, thought, I thought you'd look out and then gone back. Kind of. You've, been, the you've been a football player in Australia. Yeah. Um, he was a business mentor for Virgin. Yes. Yeah. Um, how have you arrived at food? <laughs> so, like, what, what like... I, like what is I mean you touched upon it at the start like kind of how you got to this point but is food industry confectionery retail is that always been in a in there is this is this is just something that's, that's just happened it's just the result of where you've got to kind of thing um no there's absolutely no connection link or it just rhyme or reason why I went into this industry at all right uh, I've never been connected with it other than uh, as a consumer yeah never never even thought that I've always been the kind of person that said, I want to do my own thing. I want to do my own thing all the time. Since I was in the military back when I was like 17, 18, I remember saying to to fellow soldiers, um, the world's such a big place. I want to get out of this. And yeah. when you're in the military, all you get told by the senior people is there's nothing outside of here for you. You need to stay in. 
you know, the, the, everyone that goes out comes back. And I was always adamant that, no, the, the world's huge and I want to explore and do things. And then I've always worked for people. Um, mm. And I've always thought that I was the person that could be making the decisions and it used to frustrate me. Right. Uh, maybe that was um, misplaced. Maybe that was just my ego. Because I have realised actually the kind of pressure that people face when they're running a business now. Yeah, and yeah. I think I, I could have been <laughs> more helpful. Well, I mean, I say, so, I mean, <laughs> you... I would view you as very entrepreneurial just based on your background on where you're at. It takes a certain spirit to go through all the different kind of aspects of life that you've been through and then come and then decide you want to take on the challenge of running a business, which, yeah. as you say, is a challenge. I mean, it's, it's, uh, would you define yourself as an entrepreneur? Would you say it was entrepreneurial? I don't even know what an entrepreneur is. Well, everybody <laughs> defines it as a different thing, don't they? But yeah. I mean, like, for me, like, people always associate entrepreneurs with like money and, building you know richard Branson, bill yeah. gates that yeah, kind yeah. of thing conglomerate business whatever but for me an entrepreneur is just someone who's got drive and spirit and wants to achieve something whatever that might be you to, to, to pursue a, a vegan lifestyle is entrepreneurial in my yeah. eyes that takes a spirit and a determination and say i want to do this because i believe in it in the same way of building a computer business or something and saying i want to do this because i want to change the world with computers or yeah yeah whatever you know so i mean it's it you know it's open to interpretation isn't it yeah definitely but, but it's yeah. not any e it's not an easy job is it running your own business no it's not but i mean with my background fortunately i've been well grounded and i know i've done hard stuff yeah. you know when people say like the pressure of running your own business and um you know, having to take risks. The the all the things that people perceive as business being difficult, uh, they just pale in comparison to the things I did as a teenager. Yeah. You know, I went on my first operational tour for six months at seventeen years old. Yeah. I was walking through minefields at seventeen years old. I was in the back of a tank going to the border of Macedonia and being on guard with a machine gun at eighteen. Yeah. Um, I was a trained sniper by 19. I'd been trained by the SAS to become a sniper. Uh, I was part of a... I should have actually gone to, to, to Iraq in 2004 because I went to Canada and did all the training for it. And I was mm. supposed to be attached as a sniper to the um, Fusiliers. Um, but instead, I went. I was chosen to be a cop platoon member and I went to Kosovo. And there I did... Uh, I worked with the Special Forces and we was doing like surveillance, undercover stuff. So, I mean, I was walking around Kosovo at 19 years old with a pistol down my jeans in just normal clothes, renting a flat and then observing the mafia in Kosovo and taking pictures and that was getting sent. So these kind of things are truly challenging because yeah, yeah. there's a chance you could you could die. Yeah. Um, so it just, I think those kind of things actually put you in a good position when it comes to running a business because I only really need to sleep on things and then I'm done. You know, yeah. I, I don't really dwell on it too much. Yeah. Um, I also surrounded myself with people where you, you can counsel and just ring someone up and say, I'm thinking this, and they just put it into perspective. So I'm really fast at moving on. And I think it's frustrating for some people that work with me is the fact that I can get over things instantly. Yeah. And, it, and they, they want to talk and chat it through. Well, I mean, one of the biggest <laughs> challenges I would say with running a business is definitely the... Um, yeah, like the decision-making process. Because you do, you overdwell on it. A lot of people are certainly overdwell on everything, overthink everything, and then don't actually action. Yeah. You don't end up doing anything. And you have to so you have to do it. Just do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what, the world won't encourage, know. you know. Just, just one, one of the key things that I always try and this like explain to the co-founders, so I've got this forums involved now, 
and like I said, one of them is Mummy Meeks. Um, and I guess at her time of life, she's under a bit more pressure than the rest of us, mm. you know, because we can't go putting up assets for loans, for example, because yeah, yeah. we're not going to put Mummy Meeks property at risk. No, no. Um, but when it comes to decision making, I think people obsessed with making the right decision. I think it's the wrong way to go about it because sometimes you just have to make a decision mm. and you just need to accept that none of the decisions are right and none of them are wrong. Yeah. The important thing is you make a decision and you move forward. Yeah. And that's what I try and get across to people sometimes when decisions seem complex and complicated and mm. they've got a viewpoint is that, you know, just let's just make a decision and move forward because actually it's the stalling that's going to impact the business more. Yeah. No, that's right. I mean, and, and you have to accept failure as well, don't you? I mean, yeah. that you have to accept that you're going yeah, to screw yeah, yeah. up loads and loads of times in lots of different ways. Absolutely. And it's the only way to yeah. to succeed. It's, it's just, you know, whatever your version of success is, but it's the only way to move forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, if, well, when we first started out, when it comes to like failure, and I guess one of the measurements of a perception of failure is uh, bad reviews, for example. Yeah. And when we first started, we were getting five-star review, five-star review, five-star review. And I remember saying to my partner that actually I'm not going to be happy until we start getting bad reviews because we're not going to get bad reviews until we've actually got it out to a wider market. Yeah. You're going to get bad reviews. Yeah. Uh, but now I've stopped reading reviews. But at yeah. first I was kind of like obsessive about it. I've got quite an obsessive personality. Mm. Um. I'll obsess about something and then I'll realise I need to stop doing it. Yeah. But yeah, if you don't, I won't get too disheartened by bad reviews because like I say, unless all of your reviews are bad. Yeah. Then, then you need to then, look at, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if the majority but that, that's, that's learning, bad, isn't it? That's, of course. That, that, you should look at that as insight rather well, than, Well, absolutely. Yeah, that, it's feedback. It's data. It, of know? course, it's feedback and yeah. um, you need to look at it and think, Do is there something that I need to action here or actually can I just ignore that? Um, is it just a personal thing? Yeah. But sometimes it's good feedback. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's such an important thing. And just in your everyday thing, I mean, we talk, we're so public now because of what's happening with social media and stuff. So everything is so instant. Um, but like in doing this podcast, for example, when I first started putting out podcasts, I was like, oh God, it needs to sound like this. I can't make it go like this, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, I'm one of 10 million podcasts that yeah. I was, but I, like, I'm nobody, you know, so I'm just putting out some noise that I think is interesting. And other people are like it or they won't, and we'll see what the feedback is on it. So in the end, I just start, not that I was intentionally making them bad, but in the end, I was just like, just talk and yeah. put them out. Yeah, and just, yeah, that's yeah. the only possible way that you'll, everything else is speculation in it. So, I mean, the same way if you're, you're making your like confectioner or you're making your Rocky Road bars or whatever. Like, you know, there's so much research that needs to go into it, but that in the end, it's like, well, look, we need to put it out and see if people eat it, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we'll know yeah. where to take it to. Yeah. So accept to fail. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and we've been failing pretty much since since we're born. You know, we're failing out, you know, because we're falling over, we're learning yeah. to walk, we're learning to talk. Yeah. All of the things that we do make us possible human adults. It's exactly the same in business and exactly the same in sport or yeah. whatever walk of life that you need to go into. And I think people need to accept. I suppose that's the biggest advice, really. If well, you want to start yeah, business. I mean, it, it depends when you're measuring failure as well. I think that's a key thing is that actually, what is failure and are we measuring it at every single moment? Because if your objective as a toddler is to is to walk and you stand up and fall and you stand up and fall and you stand up and fall and you stand up and walk, it's not failure, is it? Ultimately, because you've reached your objective. It's practice. So sometimes yeah. I think what people, it's failure because people give in yeah 
Now that's the issue is yeah. why give in at that point? Actually, yeah. you need that tenacity and you need that drive and you need to continue because how do you know that the next time you attempt it wasn't going to be the time that it actually it, Well, it's it everything. Off? I mean, it's so, it, and it's, it, to be fair, I'm preaching now, but I mean, I'm 37 now and it, it's taken me a long time to get into this mindset because I was exactly the same. I'm a musician and I've played terribly in the past and then, you know, I've got better because yeah. that's what I've been doing. But, you know, you've stole your car like a thousand times before you figure out that this yeah, is the yeah. bite or whatever. It's literally everything in it. Everything we yeah. do is, is a learning cycle until we get to the point where we accept, okay, this is right where I'm at now, or it can be better or it can be worse or whatever. But it's just a cycle and business is no different, is it? Yeah. So you should just put stuff out, try it, put Absolutely. stuff up, you know, just try it. Yeah. And in the same way you're saying you're less worried about, say, reviews now, um, or you don't take them into like a personal thing, you use them as data, if you like. Yeah. People should do the same in terms of social media and things like that as well. You're going to get negative comments, you're going to get feedback, you're going to get people who don't like that, but you that you are one of like a billion. <laughs> like yeah, all absolutely. And like that person's opinion is probably more a reflection of them than it is. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not on social media, I'm not on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the only one I am on is LinkedIn. Yeah. And what I find quite funny is when people put posts out on social media and then they get annoyed with someone having an opposite opinion. It's like, yeah, yeah. you've put it out into, on social media. You could actually stop that from going to the public and it could just go to your friends and family. Yeah. And if you've put out an opinion, people are allowed to counter that opinion. That's mm. just discourse yeah yeah you know it happens in real life yeah, I, yeah. I don't think that social media is real life and i yeah i would advise that people come off it yeah, yeah. well yeah i mean yeah well I, I agree to an extent i have to say it's from it's a become, personal perspective yeah yeah i mean it, it's difficult i think it it affects people's mentality and mental yeah. health you know it, it plays into people's insecurities yeah 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 it's 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 not Particularly for the younger audience, I would say there's, there's definitely some challenges. I actually personally, I, I, I quite like social media as, as a whole in what it can do. Yeah. But I think it's it's not controlled particularly well no. for young people. If you're on Instagram, it's just a, like a young person is just sees an unreal world. It's just not real what they're yeah. saying. They want to be that or they want to be part of that. And, and the same actually with entrepreneurship as well or, or building a business. You know, it's it's cool to be. A business owner, yeah, run a business, and you're your own boss, and all this kind of. Stuff. You're never your own boss. You're answerable to everybody that's oh, buying. Boss, yeah, and yeah. You're, you're your bank manager and the person that's funding this that, and the other. Yeah. Like you're never your own. You're under more pressure probably than being. Well, a, I think it's important from a, a governance perspective that you have some form of governance, and you need to understand that you're answerable to people. Yeah, yeah. And um, because otherwise, if you're not answerable to people, I think that's when you can make some big mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if you want to be a business owner because you think it's cool and you want to like you know run the world, you, you're deluded because it certainly won't be that. If you want to be a business owner because you want to try something and action something, and you're willing to accept the failures and the difficulties that come with that, then have a good crack at it. It's a good character builder, right? Absolutely. It, yeah, know, yeah. If anything, you know, you have a shot, give it a yeah. go, and, and who knows where it might go. Um, so I think that's a good thing. I was just looking, just just drifting back to you personally, I was looking at a little bit of your bio on your um, website, and I was gonna ask you, because of all the stuff that you've done with the military, I don't know if it's come from the army, but you seem to have a bit of a routine about you, so I've <laughs> got to say, yeah, well, according to this, so <laughs> Dean, our MD of Mummy Meads, 
wishes he was part of One Direction, which I just thought was interesting. Um, and we can touch upon that if you want. But um, his mornings aren't complete unless he's done the daily crossword and had his oat milk flat white. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that a, is that a routine? Is that yeah, a but that's thing? an easy routine. Now yeah. there's the, there's a routine without discipline, and that routine has no <laughs> discipline. I mean. I do like doing that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it doesn't mess my world up if I don't do it, but I do like to sit and have a coffee and do the crossword in our coffee shop. Um, now, I could have a better routine. I could be getting up at five and going for a run. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have that kind of routine no. anymore. No, but no, but no. that's interesting, isn't it? Because again, like, you know, to go back to the quote unquote successful famous entrepreneurs around the world, they're all renowned for having a thing that they do it's a routine a way, yeah. a way that they perform every day for you it's like doing a crossword or yeah, something yeah. I don't know is it is it a conscious thing to get like your mind working in that or is it literally just I like to do crosswords and at 7 o'clock in the morning I quite enjoy all, that uh, to be honest I've always loved puzzles yeah. I just have I mean I was I was shocking at school in terms of what I actually achieved for I was one of those people that people used to say, oh, they could, be, they could do so well if only they knuckled down. And I just never <laughs> knuckled down. The only um, GCSE that I got was a C in maths. And I got that easily. Yeah. I, I just love numbers. Yeah. I, I love maths. I love yeah. puzzles. Um, uh, that says a lot though, doesn't it? Because I mean, you, I, we won't drone too much into this because you go on forever. But in terms of education, like, I think it needs to be different now, right? Because it's not really reflective of today's world that we're living in. You know, the achieve this many grades in this many subjects and yeah. do this and then go to college and then get a job and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like this kind of stepping stone through life. We're in a very more open, opportunistic, liberal world really, aren't they? Where anybody can pretty much do anything. Yeah. I mean, the internet allowed for that, right? So society moves faster than you can move an institution to yeah. Yeah. to set people up for it. It's yeah, yeah. so difficult to to have influence change in such a big institution like schools. Yeah. It's just so difficult to inspire change. Yeah. And people don't like to change. People like yeah. to stay the same. It's sometimes you want that, I suppose, like people like to have that metric, don't they? I need to achieve five A's yeah. a season, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah definitely. It's a thing. And that might come from their parents. And, yeah. you know, none of my parents were ever academic. I mean, I've just got a master's in business and I'm the only person in my whole family, mm. uh, immediate family and my cousins and everybody that's got a master's degree. I think there's only one other person that's got a degree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think you, don't, you necessarily need to be... Um, uh, well educated at school but then I, when I look back what I think you get from that is the fundamentals and I think fundamentals are important Yeah. so actually I do wish that I applied myself a bit more when yeah. I was at school but I don't have any regrets no well you see it's a scoring thing isn't it really I mean I think school university um, or, or any kind of institution like that are really good for building you as a person and socialising and learning. And, you know, yeah, definitely getting the fundamentals, read, write, yeah, numbers, you know, like yeah, the, yeah, ba definitely. the basics yeah. of science, understanding yeah. how the world works, that kind of stuff. I think it's more the what you're using it for is what's probably more, is what's changed in yeah. the world, you know. It, it, using it to get a job, buy a house, Da, 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 like yeah. this kind of structured thing and I think we're in such a different world now you know going back to you can come from anywhere or any background or anything and pretty much do anything it, it is possible for just about for most particularly in the western world we're talking about you but yeah. for, for most people to pretty much to, to have a crack at anything really 
Yeah, I, th I think so. I think that you just need to have people that believe in you and give you an opportunity. I think I was misunderstood at school on reflection, to be honest. I think that actually I was just labelled one of the bad kids. I, I always like to have a laugh, have a joke, mm. uh, maybe mixed in some of the wrong circles. But I was one of these people that actually jumped in and out of circles. I never really stayed with a, a certain group. Yeah. Um, and I think that back when I was at school, it was so easy just to isolate people like me. And I, I was isolated quite a lot and just put into a room with a teacher by myself. Um, but actually, on reflection, if one of the teachers had just realised, because I, I, I was really good at maths, but I never got into a top group. If one of them, had, if a teacher would have just seen that mm. and put me in a place without those people that would influence me, because I was perceived as someone that was easily influenced, not as someone that was an influencer. Yeah. They could have put me in a group without those people that yeah. I would be showing off to or would be influencing me. Um, I don't know what schools are like now, but I, I wish that teachers recognised those kind of things. Yeah. Um, maybe they're under, I don't think they're under too much pressure. Um, the, the teaching, uh, they put people put themselves under pressure. Mm -hmm. But I, I honestly believe that being a teacher is a is a calling. It's something that you 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 want to be super passionate about. Mm. I think the shortage of teachers recently has meant that um, people have gone into it because you get heavily funded at uni, so they're going to get a nice twelve grand a year just doing the degree, mm. and then they go straight into a twenty plus job, and mm. it's not something they're truly passionate about. And if you're not truly passionate about teaching, mm. then you don't actually go above and beyond and give kids the opportunity that they need and they deserve. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that's just simple supply and demand. You know, yeah. there, there isn't enough teachers. Yeah, and the demand on them is too much and a shortage of money um, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's moved. It, it, I mean, the whole thing's moved a lot, hasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, definitely. You know, what, what I definitely think is that whatever it is you're doing, wherever you're from, like we discovered the other day that we both grew up on the same council estate. Absolutely, yeah, We yeah. both went to the same, arguably run-down deprived school or whatever you would call it but that area would you would say was primarily a, a low deprivation yeah. area of, yeah, of the yeah, city yeah. um yeah there's people you know myself you others have come out and they're doing all sorts of really cool interesting stuff and running business so it, yeah. it's not a consequence of, as such of the background would you say it's helped you though in terms of your upbringing where you grew up the the, the humbleness if you like compared to others has that helped you as you are today, particularly in business, do you think? Has it had any influence on you? I think those questions are difficult to answer because you actually haven't, you're just assuming because you're not actually measuring it. You're not, you've not had two lives. So if you had the opportunity yeah. to be brought up outside of that and inside of that and then measure them, yeah, you yeah. could do it. But the assumption is that I am who I am. Well, I am who I am today because of everything that's gone on in my life. Therefore, yeah, sure. yeah it might have, you could say it's had a positive impact. But actually, the only reason that I'm sat here running my own business is down to me because there's nobody in my family, not my mum or my dad or anybody that would push me in this direction. Mm. When I was, when I left school, it was get a job. It wasn't I guess that's, that's I guess that's the question I'm asking is, is, is as a result of that, you know, if you've come from, like me too, I, I don't come from, from an educated yeah, family. Yeah. They haven't been to uni or anything like that. They're just, you know, they're good people, but they're just the grafters. That's what they yeah, do. Yeah, that's yeah. what um, and I suppose there's a drive in me to want to do more, do, I don't know better is the right word, but do more expansive things, see more things. 
Yeah, um, uh, I'm a rebel. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what it is. I yeah, just yeah. like to rebel against what people think is the norm and think what you should do. Yeah. I, I've always been like that. I've never done as I'm told. Yeah, <laughs> that was like, I mean, a cause of serious frustration for my parents, but. I've always wanted to just test the grounds of what people think you can do. Yeah. So when my friends or family have said, you can't do this, you can't do that, I was like, why? What's the? I'm Dean Adamson. What's the difference between me and the, someone living in London? You know, yeah, other yeah. than choice and decisions, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I read the same books. I, I'm, I read a lot of books. I love reading like How to Win Friends and Influence People, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I read all those books. Mm. That, that was kind of the catalyst for change for me. Because yeah. what I realised is actually the only there is no difference between what someone else can achieve and what I can achieve, other than just choosing to pursue it. Yeah, um, and th- that is the key. And thing. believe it, and believe you absolutely. Know, I, believe I, in yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If people are around you saying you're unrealistic, then you're not dreaming big enough. You yeah. know, don't let people put you in a box and tell you what you can achieve. Just go out there and believe. That yeah. you can achieve it, visualize it, and take actionable steps as well. In it, that's the thing. Yeah. Don't, don't sit Seriously. there and yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. it. No, absolutely. It, go and what is the next thing in that stage to make that absolutely? Happen, you know, I, I mean, I like. I'm, I'm not very good at having a long term vision of what you know. I never saw that I'd be sat here running a business or a vegan. I'm not good at that, and I, and I actually sometimes envy the fact that some people have got this kind of vision of what they want. I want to be a doctor and they go out and do it and they smash it and they do seven years at uni and they become doctors. And I think, wow, that's incredible to have that at a young age. I've never had that. I never knew what I wanted to do when I left school. I never wanted to join the army. It wasn't a conscious thing. I was actually twagging off a class, bumped into a soldier that happened to be in school that said, what are you two doing in the corridor? And both me and my friend ended up joining the army through that conversation. but what I've always tried to say to like my nieces and my nephews and, and people that have asked is that it doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you're doing something positive and constructive and you're learning lessons from it. Yeah. So like, for example, my niece didn't want to go and do a, do sixth form, but she's been working at Fulton's in Cottingham. And by the age of 18, she's the manager of the shop. And I think, you know, good on you. Yeah. If she, if she had said, I don't want to go to sixth form I want to sit at home and play on the computer. I'd be like, no, I would really encourage her and I'd get someone to actually try and influence her to do something. Yeah. But everyone around you would say, go to sixth form college and she chose a different path. Yeah. And that path's been good for her right now. So it doesn't matter if you want to change what you're doing. As long as when you make a change, you're doing something that's constructive and positive. Don't just quit your job and sit on your bum. Yeah. But if you've got a passion, do something. Quit your job and go for go it. Go do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you you've sort of answered the, the next question, which was I was going to say the advice to young people, but you you've, you've already answered that. Um, so moving on, just coming towards the close, a couple of things I want to speak to you about. So congratulations, recent connection with Holland and Barrett. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a a major move, really, for you guys. It sounds like you, you rolling out the product. I'm particularly interested in Chucky Egg. Um, which for for those like for those that haven't had it, but essentially th- there's a famous chocolate egg that comes out every Easter, and it's yes. it's, it's it's a comparison to that, but a, ve- a vegan version. I never even knew about is, it. Is there? there, there apparently, there's a there's a famous <laughs> there's a famous one that people will know, but not 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 touch on this. So like, let's talk about it. So primarily, this is where the relationship is. Holland and Barrett, they're they're stocking that your new vegan chocolate eggs is that they're stocking everything that we've oh it's got. literally it's a, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. range right so the um 
The story of the Chucky egg. So the, it hatched uh, four years ago when... Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just clicked on Louis. <laughs> so, I missed that. Yeah. We've actually got someone working in PR and marketing. And I've, I've read the, the press read release. You remembered I've, re- I've read the <laughs> yeah. press release. I'll be buzzing that I said that. Yeah. Um, no, my partner decided to make some eggs uh, four years ago because we just thought, why not? Why not try it? So we, had, we was hand-making them, sold them online. Did really well, did them the next year, did even better, did them the next year, which was last year, and there was phenomenal. We, we made 10,000 eggs, handmade them, sold them through our website, and was like, there's something much bigger here. And during that year as well, we had Morrisons get in touch. We had like some big businesses. Sky News was ringing our office. Mummy Meeks was doing interviews all over the world. Um, people were ringing from Australia saying, I want to get these into Australia. I'm a distributor. It was crazy. We was hand making these in Cottingham. Yeah. Um, we was melting down chocolate. We was painting molds. It was so laborious. I was doing like 14 hour days. We could make say 300 eggs in a day. Yeah. Maximum. Whilst also running the business and all the other things that were going on. Um, hand wrapping them, putting the eggs together. We found a manufacturer anyway. And uh, this year we, um, we were, we took it to the market on a bigger scale. So we actually got this huge contract with Holland and Barrett. We're in every single Holland and Barrett store in the country with our Chucky egg. Yeah, so for those that don't know, like outside of the UK, whatever, Holland and Barrett is basically a big health food chain. Well, supp- not health food, like supplements, health chains, yeah, that get, best get, description. Kind of, of it yeah, is. yeah, I mean, it, if, I if it's, is, well, it's where you would go buy vitamins. Holland and Barrett and high street, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you've got your supermarkets and then you've got like your high street shops and that's yeah. seen as a high street retailer, yeah, like yeah. Boots yeah, in yeah. comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we got a national contract with them. Um, we give them exclusivity. They took X amount of eggs and they've been, we, we've not been able to keep up with demand just through Holland and Barrett. Well, I'm excited, but I have to say, I, I've already committed that that's what I'm buying for um, my family over the Easter because mm. I just like, and I'm just going to distribute them around. Yeah. And I'm just going to see what the the response is. Because, I mean, certainly I don't come from a, vam- a family of vegans, or vegetarians no, no, no. or whatever. Um, and it's just going to be really interesting just to throw it out there. Because typically we get the famous one and that's the stuff that goes around. No, so I'm going to buy that. I get that. I think, yeah. you know, there's two important things that we uh, want to achieve. There's a lot of, there's more than two, but two of the important things that we want to achieve as a business is we want to bring out confectionery products that actually mirror what already exists in society and what that does is it brings families together because in the past when um people had say one dairy intolerant kid amongst three kids yeah yeah they would not be able to treat that kid the same they wouldn't be able to give them the same experience because their option wasn't that tasty and wasn't that nice and they're seeing the siblings eat something that they're loving it So the great feedback we've got from people is thanking us because actually they've been able to give all kids the same thing and it's brought people together. That's something we forget as well, isn't it? That like, we're talking about veganism and ethics and all this kind of stuff, but there's actually, there's a science here as well in terms of intolerances. There's kids that are gluten or dairy or whatever, nuts, or whatever, whatever the intolerance, there's so many intolerances. And this is actually a way to cater for, yeah. The whole range, right? Yeah, yeah. And also you've got people bringing their children up vegan now. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a vegan lifestyle. And they're 
they're buzzing because they can show the children what they used to eat when they was younger. Yeah. Like, oh, we used to get these. Look at look at this. This is a this is a cream egg, and they break it in half and yeah, yeah. show them the gooey fondant inside. And it and it, and you know we mirror those things. Yeah, yeah. Now is it identical? No, of course it's not because at the end of the day we use a darker chocolate. Yeah. But actually, a lot of the feedback has been that people prefer it because it offsets the sweetness of a fondant. Yeah, yeah. The fondant is just as sweet as the rivals. Yeah, yeah. Um, I quite, uh, I well, I actually prefer the, the sound that when you first said it to me and you said it was going to be a darker chocolate egg, yeah. that's right on my street. Because, yeah. you know, that, that yeah, almost yeah, yeah. element of, I don't know, bitters, the way, but it's, it's, it's less sweet, isn't it? It's yeah, a, it's it's a it's bitter only, chocolate it, for compared to... It's 53% cocoa, so it's yeah. not overly bitter. Yeah. Um, so it but it's not so sugary that no, it's not your face off. You exactly. Know, and that, and that's the thing. Yeah. And, and another thing that's been awesome is what, people have told us when we've been to events is so as you can imagine when you've got an intolerance and you're eating um, boring bars you can leave them anywhere in the house because no one's going to touch your boring bars <laughs> it's fine you're yeah. free from you're a vegan your partner's not a vegan yeah. they're not free from because they've got no intolerances but yeah. they've got a Mars bar in the fridge and you've got a naked bar yeah. and they're like they go to the fridge and think oh, I'll just eat my Mars bar thanks yeah. well what we've found now is that people need to have a secret chocolate yeah, for our products yeah, yeah. because if you leave them lying around the house, anybody's going to eat them because they taste awesome. Yeah. And um, and that's the kind of feedback that just gives us so much inspiration. We love it. I think it's amazing. I mean, and uh, you know, obviously you're growing, you're getting these retail partnerships, the business is growing well. Uh, so, I mean, I'm thrilled to hear that because it's a fellow lad from Cooper High School in Orchard Park coming out and just doing cool stuff. And I, I think that's just amazing. So I, I really like your story. Where do you see the future of Mummy Me? So do, do, I mean, I know you've already said I'm not a long-term planner. Who knows where it might go? But do you have a vision in oh, mind? Of course, yeah, yeah, a- yeah. I mean, I'm not a long-term planner when it comes to me personally. Um, but I've, you need to have a vision for your business. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see that it's going to... We're going to keep bringing out the world's favourite treats as, as vegan products. That's kind of what our mission is now, to yeah. replace and disrupt the confectionery market, to compete with And you see it's go, going, going into more export, kind of the worldwide. Yeah, I think longer term, but you know, the UK market's huge and I think sometimes people can jump ahead of themselves and yeah, actually, yeah. you know, you can grow a really sustainable, substantial business just in the UK. And then you you can learn what you're doing. And once you start tackling like different markets, it becomes more complex. So initially, we're just going to take over the UK. We want to be the dominant player in vegan confectionery. Cool. Where can people find out more? Where do they need to go to get all your goods, find out about Mummy Meigs? Just visit our website, uh, www.mummymeigs. That's M-U-M-M-Y-M-E-A-G-Z.co.uk. If you just try type in... Just v- type it in, ch- yeah, Just yeah. type... Chucky egg into Google and it'll come Do you know out. what? That name, right? I love this, right? So being a, a, a whole lad, like, that's what my parents used to say to me when they were just talking about eggs. Do you want a Chucky egg? Yeah. Like, I just remember that terminology yeah, yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a whole thing where that's come from, but definitely. Um, and for those that don't know, you talk a lot about Cottingham in this. So Cottingham is essentially a little village just on the outskirts. Yeah, I think the city now of that Hull, you it's, know, so. it's actually uh, classed as maybe a town. Or is it? Yeah, well, it's settling now because it's yeah. got bigger. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, I mean, it is connected to where I grew up. Yeah. Cottingham feeds onto Orchard Park. Yeah, but yeah. the the change in the way people see you is yeah. just ridiculous. The, yeah, the perception. We, we, were talk, <laughs> we were talking last week when we were offline yeah, and yeah, we were yeah. saying like, sort of, so again, for those that don't know, Orchard Park is essentially a big council state in Hull. 
Um, and it pretty much crosses over with this lovely little quaint village yeah. town called Coxingham. <laughs> and they are literally, you could spit either side of it pretty much. But Cottingham is, a, is revered to be this beautiful place is, to yeah, aspire step to. Up. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so yeah, step yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're out of the, but literally you're next door, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it, that's amazing what the, the, a road can do kind of thing. Yeah, and, um, well, you can take the guy out of Orchard Park, but you can't, can't take, take Orchard Park, Park out of the guy. That's right. So I, that's I don't right. think I'll change. <laughs> Dean, this has been really interesting. Congratulations on all you're doing with business. Business. I'm going to watch it with Hawkeyes to see where it goes. I'm quite excited Cheers. about it. And I'm definitely going to be getting chucking eggs. So thanks. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Willis Talks. If you enjoyed that, be sure to subscribe to the Willis Talks podcast and share on your social media channels. And you can also find me across all the social media channels at Willis Talks. Until next time, see ya.